So glad you're here. Thank you, worship team, so much. We're going to come back in a minute and worship. Um, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room and online. To my father who's here, happy Father's Day. Also to the, I'm so thankful for the dad he is and he has been and will be. And also to the men in my life around the world, nationally, even locally, even in this church, spiritually who have been my father in many ways. And I'm so thankful for um, men who said, you may not be my biological son, but I'm going to help you. And it takes a community to raise people, amen? And I'm so thankful for so many godly examples in my life, in my home with my dad, but also in, uh, in my circle. Um, we put out this week asking for dad jokes. You know what's coming. We have dad jokes. Now, you need to know the appropriate response to a dad joke is groaning. So when you hear these, if you feel a deep groan, that is the Holy Spirit convicting you. And feel free to let it out, okay? So these are not to be cheered for. You do not clap for these. Do not laugh at these. Just groan is the best we can do. So uh, we want to start today with a couple of dad jokes. So this one came in from Dan Manzel, one of our very own. Some of you are groaning already. You know where this is going. So dad jokes. My, my neighbor asked me why I was digging in my backyard. I said, well, don't let, do not laugh at that. Church. Thank you, thank you. This one's from one of our young people, Finn Dollinger. All right. Why was the baby strawberry crying? His parents were in a jam. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. He goes on to part two. He couldn't help himself. He had to go on to another part. He said, and what do you get when you cross an angry sheep with an angry cow? Two animals in a bad mood. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, this one's from Jason uh, Carates. He said, our local zoo makes the animals do chores to earn their keep. The lion sweeps tonight. I apologize. Again, if you want to tune off of Facebook, we, we would not blame you. Last but not least, this one's a little inappropriate, but I thought we'd go up with a bang. This one's from Nick Graham. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? A Roman Catholic. Someone clap. That's not appropriate. <laughs> I've offended a whole bunch of people. So glad you've joined us today. So glad you've been with us. Um, today, uh, we're continuing. A couple weeks ago, we started in a, ser a series. Didn't know it was going to be a series, but we wanted to start last week. And we were talking about, a couple weeks ago, about starvation, about the power of the Word of God. And last week, we talked about um, um, eating the Word of God and how um, God wants to come in and it, it, we called it, um, we called it seconds. Is what we called it last week? Was it seconds? That's this week? What was last week? Say again? Eat something? Was that last week? Eat something. We went through, we did five courses and dessert. And what's today called, M? Today's called seconds. How many know it's so good when you're eating, you go through everything and then you're sitting there, you're still kind of hungry and you're waiting, you're like, okay, kind of looking over going, everybody have enough? Am I the only one, you, you, you're polite enough, you're like, I'm going to eat something, I'm going to make sure I kind of, I want more of that pie, I want more of that ham, I want more of that chicken, getting my protein intake and you kind of wait and then you kind of look over the table and then someone goes, hey guys, there's room for seconds. Today we want to go through the word of God today again. We've been in the Bible one and done, we've been going through Acts and we've been talking about the, the importance of daily reading and if you read your Bible daily, you already know how important this is. I don't need to preach to you. You know the difference it makes. If you don't read your Bible daily, I need to remind you how important it is. In Romans 12, 2, it says it this way. 
It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You need to know this, that when you read the God, God's word, it renews your mind. We need renewing of your mind. Heard someone say, you go to church, man, they're going to brainwash you. I'm like, you know what? My brain needs washing. The stuff that I see and hear and stuff I let in my life over the years, I need God to wash my brain. I want to put it the biblical way. It renews your mind. When it renews your mind, it changes the way you think. When you change the way you think, it changes the way you act. When you change the way you act, it changes your character. When your character is changed, it sets up a legacy and a destiny that will last a lifetime. The Bible says it's not just reading. It's not just one check. I read one chapter. I'm done. It actually renews your mind. Really quick. This is not my message today. I'm going to go through Acts, starting in verse 12 to verse 16. This, that was our reading this week. You can go to Acts chapter 12 if you have your Bible. But I want to give you real quick four ways that helps me read my Bible. We have people message us online and email us, how do I read my Bible? Where should I read my Bible? Um, my wife has her Bible um, always next to her, always by her bed, and also in her prayer chair. Um, and I don't know how you read your Bible. I want to give you real quick, you're going to see this on the screen behind me. Maybe you want to take a picture of it if you're not writing this down. But four ways that helps me read my Bible. Number one, talk to the author. I don't have a signed copy of his book, but I, I know the author. I believe when you, before you start reading the Word of God each day, start and say, Holy Spirit, would you make this alive to me? The Bible says that the, uh, in the, Bible says the letter killeth, but the uh, Spirit gives life. There's something, if you just read this as a book, you'll find it dead. But when you say, Holy Spirit, would you uh, bring life to this word? Would you speak to me through your word? Something starts to happen. Last year, I was um, visiting a friend in a church in the States, and there's this uh, well-known pastor who is a distant mentor of mine and inspirational to me, and a man of character and of godliness and a a uh, fantastic preacher of the word, and we're hanging out backstage after uh, service, and he had written a book, and it was my favorite book. In fact, I've mailed it to more pastors all over the world, and I was backstage in the green room hanging out after church, and he said, hey, uh, I said, I just want to thank you for your book. He said, listen, uh, I, I see that you keep mailing it to all your friends. Let me give you a brand new one. And I never did this. I came home and told Nancy, and she's like, that is not like you, because I am not this person. I'm very Nova Scotian. When you see a celebrity, come on, Nova Scotians, this is why celebrities come here. If we see a celebrity, we leave them alone because we don't want them to think they're something. You know what I'm saying? You can be an NHL superstar walking down the street. We're like, you ain't nothing. I ain't going to say hi to you. I'm not even going to look at you. Isn't that Nova Scotian? You're nothing. Yeah, but, in, but we'll go home and tell our friends, guess who I saw today? And I can't believe I did this. I said to him, I said, Pastor, it would mean so much to me if you would just sign it. I read this every day. I give it to him. Would you sign this copy for me? Nancy goes, who are you? But you know what's interesting? Because I know the author, because I listen to him so much, when I read his book, I hear it through his voice. Do you ever read someone's text through their voice when you get a text from somebody? Yeah. Right? Isn't it interesting? Can I encourage you? Know the author of the book. And when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me, Holy Spirit, would you help me today? As you start to read this book, you'll hear it through the voice of God. Talk to the author. Second, read a little, read a lot. You know, I've learned eating is some people don't eat and then they binge eat. And it's unhealthy. There's, there's body issues and people don't eat. They starve themselves and then they eat a lot. And then, and then they ended up uh, throwing up. It's unhealthy. You know, so many times in church we're the same way. We don't eat all week. We come to church and we get full and we feel like, man, I just feel sluggish. I don't feel great. Or we get so motivated in January or September. I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the New Testament. We just start reading and reading and reading and we don't keep it up. It would be better to read a little but read a lot. 
Read a little each day. It's better to read just something a little each day than read a lot each day. Just a little here and there. Number three, underline what stands out. That's why I love digital. I love, I love apps. I love technology. I got it all. But there's something about a Bible you can underline. Underline parts of your Bible. Here's what I've realized in my Bible over the years as I've got things rebound and I keep getting new Bibles and old Bibles, that what I underline in one season is not what I underline in another season. Do you ever see this? You ever read something? I'm going through Acts again now with our church, and I'm like, I never saw that before. I never saw at the end of Acts chapter 12 what happened and how 13 started. And I underline it in one season, and then a couple years later, my kids are a different age, and my life's at a different age, and the stresses are different, and the blessings are different. Something else comes out. And as you underline it, you actually start to see the seasons of your life, and God speaks to you what you need. Underline your Bible. There's something about underlining your Bible. And lastly, I'll say this. Focus on one verse each day. Focus on one verse. Meditate on it. In fact, in Psalms 1, it says, it says, meditate day and night on his word, and you'll become like a tree planted by the water. There's a stability. And I've started doing this. I write it down in my notes app, that one verse, and I just chew on it, and I think about it, and I meditate on it. I may have read the whole chapter, but there's that one verse, cast your cares on the Lord, for he'll sustain you. He won't let the righteous fall. I'm at a red light, and I feel care starting to come on me. What about this person? What about that bill? What about that situation? I'm like, God, I'm just going to cast that care on you. Cast my cares on the Lord. He'll sustain me. He won't let the righteous fall. I'm so thankful I won't fall today. I won't fall to depression. I won't fall to condemnation. I won't fall to guilt. I won't fall to lust. I won't fall to pride. I won't fall to an attitude. Thank you. I'm going to cast my cares, and I meditate on it. My kids call me, and my son calls me. He's worried about this. Josh, cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He won't let the righteous fall. I run into somebody, and they're feeling the weight of the world. Listen, just cast your cares, and I start to meditate on it. There's something about just, just chewing on it, just some good old beef jerky. Come on, where are my beef jerky guys in the house? You know, just some good, the tough stuff. You just go, mm, not, not that soft stuff you buy at the gas station. I'm talking the real stuff. That you, gotta, you just got to chew. You just, gotta, it won't, just can't get rid of it right away. You just got to kind of mull it over a little bit. And sometimes you got to take a verse, one verse, and just chew on it a bit. And just go, mm, I just want to get the taste out of this. I want to make sure I get the nutrients out of this. Can I encourage you to find one verse? Just a little verse and just start chewing on it all day. It's amazing how many times the situations will come into your life and then God will use that verse for that day and just renew your mind. Instead of feeling the cares of the world, instead of feeling the weight of the world, no, no, cast my cares. Cast my cares. And something starts to happen. I start feeling like a tree planted by the waters. I'm established. I'm fed. I'm strong. And come hell or high water, there's a strength because my root system goes down because I meditate on his word. Those things have helped me. Acts chapter 12, if you're there, say, hey, I'm going to go through a few of these chapters this week. We read Acts chapter 12 to 16, one chapter a day. If you haven't started, we have Bibles for free. Open your Bible app, grab a Bible, start tomorrow, one chapter a day in Acts of Acts. I believe it'll encourage you. Acts chapter 12, we're talking today's title, thanks for Emily for reminding me, called Seconds. Seconds. Acts chapter 12, verse 21. And an appointment with Herod was granted. There's these rulers, and Herod was a military man. He's causing all these wars, and these, this other government sent these advisors to try to make sure that they were in good favor with him so that he would not attack them. It says that an appointment with Herod was granted with these officials, and when the day arrived, Herod put on his robes and sat on his throne and made a speech to them. And the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of God, not a man. They were praising Herod. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving it to the Lord. So he was consumed with worms and died. 
So encouraging. You're like, I knew I was supposed to come to church today. I just feel uplifted. I had Joel Olstein vibes, and now I'm getting John Hagee. What's going on now? If you didn't get that, you didn't grow up in church. Got worms and died. I don't think he's a prosperity preacher. Either do I. I'm so encouraged by that verse. Here's the thought I took from chapter 12. Just one thought from each of these chapters that I took from chapter 12 as we have seconds today. Hopefully you've been eating last week. Hopefully you, you, you ate every day last week of the word of God. But today, let me give you seconds from chapter 12. Is number one, give to God what's God's. It says that Jesus, they're talking about taxes. The apostles are saying, should we pay the carbon tax? <clears throat> too close to home too soon? I think so. Gosh, help us. We're all going to have the carpool going to church very soon. And they're like, do we pay taxes to Caesar? They said to Jesus. The, the Pharisees said to him, come on, do you pay taxes? Trying to get him in trouble with the Romans. He said, Who's, who, whose face is on the coin? They're like Caesar's. He said, give to Caesar's, which is Caesar's. Give to God, which is God's. This verse, this part of chapter 12 reminds me, give to God what is God's. Listen, pass on the pain, but also pass on the praise. Pass on, listen, God says, come to me that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, come, cast your cares, as I just said. Give to him the pain. You need to give him the pain, but we also got to give him the praise. I heard someone say that if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're oversensitive to the praise, you'll be devastated by the criticism. You've got to hand off the praise. Sometimes we just, we want to give God the blame for things, but we want to take the praise. You know, yeah, the church is going well. Yeah, glory to be to God. But man, have you had our coffee? Man, have you seen our worship team? Man, we, our live stream's pretty good. We had 15 viewers on YouTube this week. God is good all the time. People are liking and subscribing. Well, you know, God's good, but we work really, really hard. No, 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 no. Herod got in trouble when he took what was God's. I was driving to church today, and I just kept thinking, thank you, God. Because I know enough. I know what an idiot I can be. Any other idiots in the room? Is that even appropriate? I just said it. We just did, we're, we're there. Let's just live there in that moment. Because I know who I am. I know some, my weaknesses, and I know my, my limitations. I'm a man of no talents. I marry, my only talent I have is I married up. That's the only talent I have. If you didn't think that was awesome, that's why you're single right there. I can help you. That's called brownie points right there. But it's the truth. And I've realized that anything good in my life, the wife I have, the kids I have, the, the, the friends I have, I just know it's God's. And so many people go, I want to be a self-made woman. I want to be a self-made man. Oh, I'll give God the pain, but give God the praise. Cast your cares, but also don't take the praise. You've got to thank God. Thank God. I just reminded it today, again, anything going well in my life, I am so thankful. My daughter got her first paycheck, Nancy mentioned, so well. The first thing she did was give an offering, e-transfer. And we prayed in the car on the way to school. She gave her offering by e-transfer. We prayed, thank you, God, for health. Thank you for this job. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the opportunity to give. And we gave glory back to God. Listen, give him the pain, but give him the praise. Give him the praise. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. It's interesting, Acts chapter 13, the verse that I think about is in verse 52. It ends the chapter. It says, and the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The thing you need about Acts chapter 13 is you've got to start in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 ends with James was killed by the sword, and then it moves on. I felt like they moved on too quick after that. That's a big moment at that moment. It's like, James, by the way, footnote, James was killed by a sword. Moving on, next. I'm like, wait, James deserves more than that. James deserved a little bit of a funeral. James deserved his own book. James deserved some time. James deserved a memorial. James deserved some credit of how godly and how faithful he was. But like James, killed by a sword. Moving on, Paul, by the way, called to his first, in chapter 13, his first missionary trip. Great things happen. They go up to this town, and all of a sudden there's this amazing governor who wants to hear the gospel. 
Then you have a low point. It says a sorcerer full of spirits started distracting the governor and trying to keep the gospel from him. But then we see a high point. Paul steps in with faith in the power of God and casts that out, gets an audience with the governor. The governor believes in Jesus Christ. High point. It says almost all the city came out because of this and heard the good news and heard the gospel. Then a low point, all these officials and religious leaders rose up and drove them out of town. And, and expelled them from the city, low point. In fact, so much so, it says they shook off the dust off their sandals, basically saying, you know what? We did what we came to do. We tried our best. You don't want to listen. Forget you. We're done. Good luck. And they walked out, low point. And then it ends with this verse. It says, but they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And here's a thought today as I went through chapter 13. Life is full of ups and downs. At the end of it, we just pray, Lord, fill us with joy in your Holy Spirit. I remember hearing a preacher say this years ago, that he was taught that life is hills and valleys. And I thought, that's true. Man, there's high moments and down moments. Some of you are in a down season right now. That's why you're here. You know you need to come to church. Some of you are in a high moment, and you're here going, man, life is amazing. In this room, there are people that are up and people that are down, people that you're on top of the mountain and people that the mountain's on top of you. And this preacher said this, you know what? Life's not up and downs. Life's actually more like a railway track. R trains are something we used to have years ago in this country. And these railway tracks. And on tracks, you have two rails. He said, in life, it's not ups and downs. You always have one good rail and one challenging rail. And I bet today if we spent the next hour, I could just ask, if you were honest, tell me something challenging in your life, and we'd have everybody go through one after another. There's a rail in your life of things that are really tough. At the same time, if we sat here and said, go through a rail, talk about everything good in your life, you have so many good things. You know, I'm looking at this chapter. There was highs, there was lows. There was a rail of God's faithfulness, God's power, people getting saved, people being used by God. On this side, there was challenges and persecution and murderdom and people walking away from the faith and kicking them out of town. At the same time, no matter what they were going through, they said, fill us with joy in your Holy Spirit. Be encouraged, church, no matter where you're at in life, you can be full of joy and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. This is what I took out of 14 as we're eating seconds today. Verse 8, it says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth. He had never walked. And he was sitting and listening to Paul preach. And Paul looking straight at him. I love the confidence in that moment, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed. He could read the room. He could read the man. So Paul called him in a loud voice and said, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. I read that chapter and my heart started to leap and I had this thought, don't underestimate what listening to the word of God can do to a life. It says that they were preaching the word of God. He was listening to Paul preach the word of God. Faith started to grow in his life, the kind of faith that made him stand on the inside before he stood on the outside. And then it changes spirit, then it changes body. Do not underestimate what sitting in the presence of God's word can do for your life. Parents, listen to me. Do not underestimate what bringing your kids to church, to reading your Bible in your house, to shutting down maybe the top ten for a bit and putting on some praise and worship that is singing the word of God. It changes things in your life. Don't underestimate what it can do for your life, your friend's life, and your kid's life. So we have such an inviting church. We bring people to church. Do not underestimate what's sitting under the teaching of the word of God when reading the word of God in your house out loud, what it can do to someone's life. This man was not looking for God. He was not hungry for God. He was simply, he could not move because of his position and his, and his crippling uh, um, um, 
um, body, his crippled body, and because he could not move, he heard the voice and the word of God. He heard the truth, and something started happening, and faith started to grow. It said Paul could see faith in him. Don't underestimate what hearing the word of God can do in your life. Do not underestimate what it can do. Get your kids to youth ministry. Get your kids to kids ministry. Get yourself to church. Lift up the word of God in your life. You don't know what it can produce. Don't underestimate it. I was out with a great friend this week from our church, and he said, you know what I don't like? I don't like one of the songs at church. I'm like, oh, here we go. But I know this guy, and I, I knew it was going to be good what he was going to say. Some people complain, and I'm like, whatever. But I'm like, okay, what are you going to say about this song? He said, you know that song we sing about shake off traditions and, and shake off religion? I'm like, yeah, I love that song. He was, I don't like that song. I'm like, tell me why you don't like that song. I'm not going to say who it was, but Matt Starrett, I loved your point on that. <laughs> he said, I believe it. Like, I like the song. He said, but you know what? I'm thankful for traditions I have in my life. He said, I grew up in church, around the word of God. He said, you know what? I was helping at church and under your preaching and other preaching, and my parents were, were, were taking me to church. He said, when I was 16, 18, 20, 21, I was serving in the house of God. I was around the house of God. You know what? I could have been in the club. I could have been mixed up in relationships and addictions. I could have had attitudes and deconstruction. I am thankful that I was around the house of God. I said, amen to that. And I am too. I want to encourage you. Don't underestimate what the power of God can do in your life. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing. And that comes from hearing God and the good news about Christ, from hearing the word of God. Don't underestimate what hearing the word of God can do. I want to jump to chapter 16. 16, verse 22. It's one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible. Favorite stories in the Bible in Acts. Chapter 16, verse 22. It says, Paul and Silas had been preaching. They saw a great favor, and then people get angry. Listen, you need to know sometimes the right thing will put you in the wrong place. If you're not careful, you'll be around faith long enough. You think if you do the right thing, it'll just be easy all the time. When I read Acts, I read people serving the right God, doing the right thing in the right way, and they still got killed, put in prison, and beat up. Again, with the encouragement, just receive it today. <laughs> sometimes doing the right thing will put you in the wrong place. It says they were preaching. Watch this in verse 22. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them, stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Verse 23, and they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown in prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Because if you read earlier, Paul had already escaped from prison. If you read earlier that he walked right past the guards, right, we read it this week. He walked right past, um, God delivered him already. So now they heard those stories like, this guy, this guy. This guy's a chameleon. This guy seems to get it. This guy has a way. So just eyes on him all the time. It says they ordered the jailer, they ordered the jailer to, in verse 24, to put him into the inner dungeon, and they clamped their feet in stocks around midnight. Oh, something happened around midnight. At the darkest point, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. People are watching us, church. They're watching what you post. They're watching what you say. They're watching how you live. They're watching uh, you this morning online. They're watching you as we come to church. It says the other prisoners were listening, verse 26. Suddenly, it happened to me right in front of my face. I can't deny it. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All. Say all. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Really simple. That when you worship God, it frees you. 
So when you come in here, we sang, we're going to sing it again in a moment about chains, the chains that fall off. You come in bound up. Listen, worship frees you. Philippians 4 in your Instagram bio does not free you in itself. Gary V cannot free you. Jordan Peterson cannot free you. Mike Miller cannot free you. Elevation, love them, but they cannot free you. But when you start to worship yourself in the middle of that, when you know God, his Holy Spirit, something starts to happen. It says when they started to worship, their chains fell off. Some of you walked in here hoping someone was going to free you today. You're hoping someone was going to talk to you. Someone was going to meet you over coffee. Can I encourage you? The freedom you need is found in the worship you have. When they started to worship, something started to happen. But don't miss this. Not only did their chains come off, but everyone else's chains came off. These men were innocent. They're only guilty of following Jesus. In that prison, there were some evil men, camel thieves. Once I get over that hump, it was really bad. Thank you for groans. There were murderers and thieves and the worst crimes you commit in that inner prison. That's where the worst of the worst in the inner prison. And it says that when they praised, their chains came off, but it said all the chains and everyone's doors flew open. Your worship frees you, but your worship also frees others. Worship is warfare. Some of you think it's karaoke. You go to the karaoke on Friday night at the bar, and then you come here on Sunday, you're thinking, we just need a dancing ball so I know when to sing. This is not karaoke. It's warfare. That's why the Bible says he trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. See, when I'm clapping, I'm not clapping. I'm fighting. Because I know my worship shakes off anxiety, shakes off depression, shakes off fear. Not only that, I know if I clap, Oh, it's got to help the person next to me. I don't know what they're going through. They might not be able to get their hands up to the. They might be shackled down. They might deserve. They might deserve. I might deserve the pain I'm in sometimes. My mistakes and my choices and my attitudes. But when you get around the presence of God and someone starts to worship, it starts to free somebody. When I'm clapping, I'm, I'm, I'm believing for my son in Vancouver, for my daughter in Halifax. I'm believing for my marriage, believing for my neighbors, believing for you, believing for my parents. And something starts to happen. Worship not only frees us, frees others. Worship is warfare over oppression. Some of you, if you get that, listen, if you just get that, it'll change Sunday mornings for you. You won't wait till Sunday. You gotta turn the music up in your car, you'll worship. Some of you, to, some of you are already angry in traffic. You may as well get angry at the devil. Some of the traffic on the 101, 102, you may as well fight, fight for Jesus. You can get in your car and start worshiping. Keep your hands on the wheel, but worship God. Some of you at home, Nancy said this morning, turns worship. Our basement, our cottage is a war zone. We fought for your life, we fought for our life. We fought for this church. We're fighting for a building. We're fighting for a city. We're fighting for your marriage, fighting for your mental health. Listen, worship changes things. Some of you understand that. You would get into it a little bit. Start realizing this is not just because they want me to sing. It's going to make the ambiance better. No, no, no. There's freedom in worship. The Bible says a lot about using our bodies to worship. It talks about clapping. It talks about, in Timothy, lifting holy hands. It talks about singing. In fact, it says if you don't cry out, He'll make the rocks cry out. God will be worshipped. Talks about using our body. Talks about kneeling. Talks about so much about using our body. But some of us don't want to get into worship. And I don't think it's rebellion. I think it's because we think it's hypocritical. We think, well, I don't feel God. I don't feel like it. And if I do it, that's faking it. I grew up with this saying, fake it till you make it. Now, I don't want faith. There's one thing I don't want to be is fake. 
One of the greatest compliments I get as a preacher, I had it a couple weeks ago. Someone goes, I like how real you are with your struggle. I like how real you are with your faults. I'm like, yeah, I got some strengths too. I'm real with those. But the praise goes to him. Thank you, Jesus. But we don't want to be hypocritical, do we? Hypocrisy isn't when your actions don't line up with your feelings. We feel like, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I didn't grow up that way. I don't feel like clapping. I don't feel like singing. Because, like, if you knew where I was last night and what I did or what I'm struggling with or what they think or the mood I'm in, it's a really hard season. I don't feel like it, so I'd rather be real and subdued than fake it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is not when your actions don't line up with your feelings. Hypocrisy is when your actions don't line up with your convictions. That's hypocrisy. So if you are convicted, if your convictions tell you that God is good, If you believe in your heart that he is worthy of praise, that he is first, seek first the kingdom of God, that God saved you, God made you, God's going to look after you. If you have a conviction that you can cast your cares on him and he'll sustain you. If you believe God is bigger than your emotions, if you believe God's got your kids, he's got your young adults, he's got your future, if you believe you can pray and he hears you, if you can worship and know that he is here, if you know that God is, is in love with you and passionate about you, if that is your conviction then we worship no matter what our feelings say. And here's what I've learned. If you put your body into action following your convictions, your emotions often follow. Listen, I'm not worshiping on the front row because I'm hoping to be a good example. Something happens. I'm up here. Why does it sound like that? Why aren't the lights working? What are my notes saying? I can't figure out what the title of my sermon is. Emily, what's the title of my sermon? I'm distracted. And I start to realize, no, 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 no. When I worship, I need to free myself today. But I know that if I worship, Andrea might get free. If she worships, I might get free. When I start to worship, it, you know what happens? Right choices lead to right emotions. It's usually halfway through a song, I start getting my mind focused. Oh, my whole heart. Oh, where are these chains now? And something starts out, I start feeling the presence of God. Listen, can I encourage you? If you take your body and let it follow your convictions, your emotions will follow. We're going to have a chance today to worship. We're going to sing this song all over this place. Would you stand to your feet? On this Father's Day. Dad's in the room. I need you to hear me for a second. Whether you're 85 or 25, you've never been needed more than you're needed right now. After the service, we have Dad's root beer and Jones pop, and we have cookies for everybody. Dads or not dads, just enjoy it afterwards. We need to hear this right now. If you're a father in this room, do not abdicate your authority and your position. You are needed. And disagreeing with your kids is not hate. And correction is not abuse. Love your kids. Lead them with love. Lead them with attention. Fight for your kids. How do you fight for your kids? You worship not for our schools to raise our kids. It's not for the government to raise our kids. It's not even for the church to raise our kids. We will raise our kids. As, we, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But together, when we worship, something starts to happen. Everyone in this room, I believe, as we're going to worship right now, some of you are going to raise your hands. You're going to lift your voice. You're going to clap. You're going to sing. As your body follows your convictions, you watch what will happen. You're going to get free today. But you might free someone else. Amen? Let me bless you today as we worship. Father, I thank you for this church. Holy Spirit, would you come in this room right now? Would you fill us afresh? Would we be full of joy and the Holy Spirit? I pray for joy. 
strength un unknowable. I mean, peace beyond anything we can understand. That joy that's undeniable. Holy Spirit, come and fill us now. We worship you. Amen. Oh, how I need, I need your presence, a touch of heaven here on earth. And Father, pour out and send your
Friday morning. God bless you. We'll see you back here next Sunday morning.